Hello and welcome to the Clear Cruise podcast this week. Andy Harmer sat down with Norwegian Cruise Line's president and CEO, Frank Del Rio, to answer your questions. Enjoy. Frank, thank you very much for taking time to talk to us. Uh, we went out to the Clear Travel Agents to come up with some questions for you. So let's let's get underway. Yes. Uh, hi, Frank. Uh, now, the first question from a travel agent was, now, do you get completely different guests sailing on each of your three different brands, or is there some crossover? They all have one thing in common. They want to have a great vacation. And I, we think that all three of our brands uh, do just that. There are differences, uh, but there are similarities. For example, in the Haven on board the Norwegian Cruise Line, uh, you find uh, guests who are previous uh, 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 cruisers with Ocean and Region, but they might be there with their grandchildren, for example, because the Haven provides that luxury upmarket up uh, experience you'd expect to see on Ocean and on Regent. But at the end of the day, um, cruise product uh, cruise offerings are differentiated to some degree by price, let's face it. You know, um, Ferraris cost more than a Toyota for a reason. They both are transportation, they're both wonderful cars, but uh, uh, certainly the cost um, does play a big role in what brand people cruise on. So somebody asked whether you think that guests naturally start at NCL and work the way, I guess, through the brands and end up on Regent. So I guess that's a question about uh, are you more successful attracting new to cruise through the NCL brand than the others? Well, um, I'll give you some statistics. So on the region brand, on, the, on, on one extreme, 60% of the guests on any given cruise are repeaters with our brand. Right. It's about 50% at Oceana and 40% in Norwegian. So yes, okay. the Norwegian brand does attract more first timers uh, as they work their, their way through. But there are countless examples of, of those who start at Regent. And as I said earlier, the, they may end up going on, on the Haven on Norwegian because they go with family and, and multiple generations. Okay. So another question from a travel agent was around uh, the shoreside uh, excursions. And they were wondering if they have changed much over the last few years and if you are finding you're having to be much more creative with the offering uh, for the excursion. You know, they've changed a lot. Um, yes, we still have bus tours, but they're less popular than they once were. People want, you heard this before, people want um, real, real experiences. They want to see the, the, the real Spain or the real Italy, wherever it is that they are. Authentic experiences, I think is the word. And so we've tried to, to do that, uh, and, and depending on the brand. So for example, Oceana is known as the Foodie Cruise Line, yeah. and there are just dozens of um, one-off type where you can go with five or six other folks, uh, uh, fellow uh, cruise mates, and, and go to a, a three-star restaurant, and someone there, a chef, will teach you how to make their, their, their piece de resistance. And so it's smaller, um, more personal, uh, you know, rather than just hordes of people on a bus. We still have those though, um, but less and less. So, and talking about destinations, another agent is asking, are there any destinations you'd like to offer cruises to, but you currently don't? Well, yes, um, it's a great question. Um, we're, you know, over the last uh, 10 years or so, 
certain destinations that were once closed to uh, tourism, to cruising, have opened up. Myanmar was one of the first. Cuba opened up a couple of years ago. Um, but a couple closed. So Crimea closed. The Black Sea effectively closed. Uh, the Holy Land uh, closed for some time, the Eastern Mediterranean, but they're coming back. So I'm a big fan of Turkey, and I think that Turkey's coming back in a big way. Istanbul's a fantastic um, hub, um, uh, and so we, um, we, we, are, we are developing more and more itineraries. I think we have 12 in 2019, we have 20 in 2020, and over 60 itineraries that touch Turkey in 2021 across the three brands. So. We're very hopeful that uh, we can return to Turkey in a big way and return to the Black Sea. And presumably there's a bit of a lag because there's time to develop itineraries and shoreside experience. Well, it's not the lag. Is you know, when, when something happened, like it happened in 2016, uh, it's easy to pull out. Right. And then it's harder to come back because you have to test the waters. You have to see our folks uh, willing to come back to Turkey, and so we tested the waters uh, a little bit in 18. Like I said, 20, uh, 19, we have tw uh, 12 cruises, and, um, and they're selling very well. And so we, we think that, uh, yes, it is safe to go back to the, the Eastern Med. Uh, our target market wants to, to go back to the Greek Isles and the Black Sea and the Holy Land, and so we're very excited about that. Okay. Last question from a travel agent here. Um, this is a good one, though. Uh, they say, as a successful entrepreneur, do you have one piece of advice that you could offer them or all the agents as a, as a business owner? You know, um, I've been very lucky in my career. We started a cruise line back in 2002, Oceana Cruises, with literally no money. We had no chance of surviving, much less succeed. But we did. And we did because we were... First lucky, I have to admit, never underestimate the power of good luck. <laughs> and, um, and because we were persistent, we had, a, we had a plan, we stuck to that plan, we had conviction that what we were doing uh, was the right thing. And uh, I surrounded myself with the best possible people. Um, just about every one of them uh, is still with me today. Really? And uh, you know, some uh, nearly 20 years later. So um, it's never one thing that uh, determines success. Um, but um, never giving up, having conviction, leading by example, um, it's a good start. And good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Great, okay. Thank you very much for those and thank you to the agents who sent those in. Um, now the theme of our conference next month is Next Generation, where we look at what's next and I guess what customers are next for cruising. Uh, so from questions from us, so we'll start with uh, what was the big change that transformed the cruise industry into what it is today? Because it's very different to how it was even five, ten years ago. You know, that's a, that's a very good question, Andy. And again, it's never one thing. But I will tell you that the proliferation of larger vessels that offer more than just point-to-point -point transportation and, and a lot of buffets. So today's ships are floating resorts in every way, shape, or form. You take our our new Norwegian Bliss, Norwegian Joy, and Encore that's coming out in November. Um, more than 20 restaurants, more than 20 bars, casinos, shops, a racetrack. Uh, imagine a thousand foot long uh, racetrack atop a vessel, uh, double decker, 12 turns, two of them banked uh, over the side of the vessel, and 10 cars can race at 40 miles an hour. So uh, it's fantastic. 
uh, the Galaxy Pavilion, every virtual reality game uh, available uh, in the world. And so technology has played a big role. Um, balconies, people underestimate balconies, but today's ships uh, at, at a, have a minimum 70% balconies. Some of the, of the upper end uh, vessels are 100% balconies. So we, we, we provided more real estate for those um, uh, who are willing to pay for it, provide amenities that are second to none. Uh, and then you get to go to all these different places, so itinerary variety. It used to be that cruising was a, um, a Florida, the Bahamas, Caribbean, three nights, five nights, seven nights. Now there isn't a body of water the cruise line uh, don't, uh, don't, don't navigate. And so uh, the proliferation of cruise ships, the size of cruise ships, and the proliferation of itineraries all have led to what we know today as a cruise industry. So they're really offering an alternative, aren't they, to a land-based a land product? Absolutely. And, and the travel agents have played a huge role. I mean, they are our advocates. They are, you know, the world's best sales folks who have introduced um, and, and continue to promote cruising as an alternative to land-based vacations. And the value, the, the, I, I can't stress enough, anyone who ever took uh, pen to paper and figured out the total cost of a land vacation compared to a cruise vacation. Uh, the difference is day and night monetarily. And then the convenience factor where you don't have to pack and unpack every night. You get to visit four, five, six different locations on, on one very organized trip. You can't beat it. No brainer. No brainer. <laughs> um, all right. So with that in mind, what do you think will be the next big thing as, uh, you know, as, as cruising goes into the next generation then? You know, I think uh, all ships will get bigger. They have gotten bigger over time. Small ships. So bigger still from what we've Bigger still, bigger yeah. still. The efficiencies, the economies of yeah. scale are, uh, are significant. And then the things that you can do with real estate, really. Um, I couldn't have put that track on board uh, a 2,000 passenger vessel. I needed girth to, to be able yeah. to do that. But as they get bigger, then it does limit the number of ports that those larger ships can actually get into. Or do you think that the ports themselves will also have to adapt to it to enable these big ships to come in? Yes, they will. Just like uh, I remember when, um, when the 747 came online, uh, oh, only a handful of airports can handle it. And yeah. over time, every airport can handle a 747 and now the A380s. So yes, everything evolves, perhaps not at the same pace, um, but uh, ships would have to get humongously bigger, Lucy, for them not to be able to call on the vast majority of yeah. ports today. Yeah. We, talk, we talk a lot about innovation in the cruise industry, and I think we're much more innovative than other types of vacation, but uh, is there a balance as you're designing new ships and building new ships between adding lots of innovation and actually keeping your existing guests happy? You know, there is always a balance and, and technology is playing a bigger role. And there seems to be an arms race as to who can out-tech the other. And, um, and that's fine. But we, we mustn't forget that this is the hospitality business. This is, um, to borrow a phrase from one of the land-based uh, uh, wonderful hotel brands. These are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And so we must not forget that. And we certainly uh, don't, uh, um, don't do that at uh, Ocean, at Regent, and Norwegian. Um, but people want experiences. Um, millennials, you've heard, want experiences. The boomers have stopped accumulating um, 
things and stuff, stuff over yeah, the years. Yeah. And now they too want experiences. And so uh, that's what the cruise industry does best, is provide experiences both on board the vessel and, and ashore. Okay. Talking about luxury, uh, just for a second there, how, how has the luxury experience changed? Have customers become ever more discerning? You know, how, have, how have you seen that evolve? You know, there is uh, no limit to, um, to those who are true luxury mavens, what they want in a cruise. But luxury doesn't necessarily mean just butler service and gold taps and you know it's it's, it's broadened hasn't it it's having that personal experience or that you know thing that they can brag about to people other people if you ask me what do i do on a luxurious sunday is i just want to sit under a, an umbrella by my pool and yeah. and, and but have no one around and read my newspaper to me that's luxury yeah so it means so many different things to so many different people yeah. and the trick is in in you know we have our 700 passenger uh, luxury cruise line, uh, Regent. Um, how do you, how do you offer a balanced uh, array of products and services and itineraries to attract uh, a, a broad uh, swath of this luxury market? Mm. But they all have one thing in common. They they do expect fine cuisine. Yeah. Okay, it starts there. They want impeccable service. Yeah. They want luxurious modern conveniences, uh, great Wi-Fi, for example. Um, <clears throat> they want real estate. You know, suites and cabins have gotten much bigger over the years. I mean, take, take the uh, Region Explorer and her sister ship Splendor that's coming out in February of 2020. The, the Region Suite sells for $11,000 a night because it has 4,000 square feet of, of um, just sumptuous space. Um, so. You know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. But I will tell you that today's luxury consumer is among the most discerning consumers on earth. Uh, these are the folks who are driving luxury automobiles. These are the folks who are wearing multiple carat diamond rings. Um, they have vacation homes. Um, and they're not just retirees anymore, like they're once upon a time. Um, you see a lot of luxury consumers in their 40s and early 50s. You see them coming on with their families. And, and you see them not just on region and Oceania, you see them on the Haven area of, of Norwegian as well. Um, so today's, you know, when we think of luxury in the old days, you, you tend to feel top hat, you know, and yeah, stuffy yeah. and all that. Um, you sound very British. Yeah, oh, well, I'm in England. Um, but uh, today, um, you know, shorts and uh, flip-flops and a t-shirt and that could, be, that could be your millionaire next door. Would you say that actually the cruise lines now are setting the standard for luxury travel? I mean, for a while, I think, you know, it was seen that we're perhaps paying catch-up to some of the very, you know, yeah. famous luxury hotel brands. But would you say that actually we're the cruise industry is trailblazing a bit. We, we certainly have narrowed the gap, and in many ways, we we are uh, we are leading from the from the front. Um, but it's evolving. It's always evolving. You know, the the cruise industry does a very good job of keeping up with what's going on in the rest of society, whether it's in the contemporary space and the luxury space. Um, we are keeping up, and, and we, we introduce, you know, as an industry, 8, 12, 15 new ships a year. Each one is better than the one before, um, and so um, we stay alert, 
And, uh, and so many cruise it. lines are now employing hotel designers to design their, mm. their not yeah. not just the you know the old school cruise ship designers. That's They're bringing right. in the boutique luxury hotel designers like to bring that feel. No more turquoise carpets with uh, orange <laughs> wallpaper. No. Really? Uh, <laughs> you miss it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I will miss it. Uh, one thing that the land operators have been very good at is personalising the holiday experience. So has that been difficult to bring onto cruise ships particularly or is that? No, you know, the, um, the staff to guest ratio, especially in the uh, upscale cruise lines, has really uh, been raised. Um, so we, we have um, more staff, more crew members on board to deliver that personalized service, whether it's just good old butler service to, to bring your breakfast in bed, um, to assist with your uh, land uh, excursions, um, to escort you throughout the vessel when you're going to the spa for a treatment. Um, we've, um, we've learned. We've learned what they want. We learn what the hoteliers do best. And I think hoteliers are learning from us as well. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, the, the, on the business side, uh, the cruise industry, uh, better than any other part of hospitality, has learned how to fill their ships. So our basic business model, my three brands, the industry is every ship goes full on every single sailing. And that's not true in the hotel business, it's not true in the airline industry or the rental car business, or the tour business. And that's one of the reasons why the cruise lines are so successful. So if, it, if that's your mantra and you, they have to go full, does that mean that you sometimes have to discount some of your inventory? Uh, no, we market. You know, our, um, our go-to-market strategy is you don't discount. You, you invest marketing dollars to stimulate demand. And you do that early so that you don't have to have a rush at the end to fill your, your, your cabins at a, at, a, at a discount. And that's why um, uh, if you if are a student of the financial records of the three public cruise lines that make their numbers uh, available, Norwegian Cruise Line Holding has by far the highest ticket yield in the industry. And that bodes very well for the travel agent who is earning a commission on those ticket sales. So the higher the ticket sales, the higher the commission. And in the case of our three brands, we include more items in the ticket price than any other brand. Uh, and therefore, they, the travel agent earns more commissions selling our three brands than they do competitors. Um, you know, um, we, we include, for example, drinks, bar, specialty dining, shore excursions. The typical, the typical travel agent is not earning commission on those uh, on other brands, but they are with us. I was going to ask about that. I mean, we talked about choice, and you've now brought in, you know, in terms of the packages and the pricing. But you've obviously got your your free at sea, which has recently been brought into the UK and Europe, and then you've got your O Life um, for Oceania. So, tell us about that, because that's that sort of links to Andy's question around personalization, doesn't it? Because if people get to choose which, what right. works for them, and that, that's important, presumably. Yeah, and and people love to receive little nuggets of of value, and I think that's our way of reinforcing that the cruise proposition is full of value. And so you take the region brand where we offer 10 free things, including air, hotels, shore excursion, gratuities, open bar, Wi-Fi. I can't remember them all. Um, and, and at Norwegian Free at Sea, where you have a pick of five um, different very valuable 
and, and all those things um, personalize your vacation so it's good for the consumer. They feel more attached to the product before they even cruise. It's great for the travel agent because they're earning a commission on all these things. And uh, it's good for us because our ships are full. And, and how has it been received in, in the UK? Because obviously you spent a long time sort of doing the premium all-inclusive, yeah. uh, you know, promoting that. And that was something that agents sort of got behind. And then you've, you've got rid of that and brought you know, in free at sea. Has it been a, neat, a, a, you know, a seamless transition of agents sort of got behind it? Yes, and we're, we're very glad that we did the premium all-inclusive first because it sort of primed the pump. And then we brought in free at sea. So we just had a meeting this morning before I, uh, I, I came to, to see you both. And um, our business is up in the last four weeks since free at sea um, came on 27% uh, year on year. Uh, so we're very, very happy with the rollout. Well done, Eamon. Yes, well done, Eamon. <laughs> he stays. <laughs> uh, so you have lots of new ships coming. So I guess, I guess our kind of final question. Only 11 of them. <laughs> yes, just a few. So I guess is what is the next generation for for the group? Because you have all these ships coming, you have lots of innovation. Uh, is there a next phase? Is there a next? Geez, let me let me take delivery of these eleven and then ask me. But, uh, you but know, even of the eleven, though, I mean, is there anything that we're going to see on any you know Splendor or Encore? Is there anything we're going to see that we haven't seen before in the in the sector? Can you give yes, us? Yes, but I'm um, not. See, I knew you were going to go this there. Is, this is the biggest uh, travel agent conference you've uh, got. Hundreds of agents you could tell. Give us a snippet. So uh, Norwegian Encore um, is the next vessel yeah. among these 11 that um, we're introducing in November and uh, sister ship to Bliss and Joy yeah. and Escape. And um, each one is a little bit better than the, the one before. And Encore will, well, look at the name Encore. How could you have, how could you be so bombastic <laughs> to learn, to name a ship uh, Encore? But we yeah. did and we think it's well-deserved. Um, and then the next generation of the Norwegian vessels is what we call the Leonardo class, which starts uh, rolling out in 2022. And, um, and those, um, I'm getting my hands deep in them. We're, we're, we're going to do some, some great different things on board. And no, I'm not going to tell you a thing about those, uh, Lucy. It, um, that, way you, that way you can bring me back in a couple of years and I'll tell you more. But uh, we're very excited about the Leonardo class. One will come every year, beginning in 22 through 27. And then we're really, really excited about the Allura class for Oceana. You know, it's been 10 years since uh, we introduced Riviera and uh, Allura will be a, um, an evolution of, um, of the Marina class, Marina and Riviera, because those are so popular, almost perfect ships that it's not much, uh, much more you want to do uh, there, but um, they'll, they'll have wrinkles as well. Thank you. Thank you All very right. much. My Thank pleasure. you, Frank. Thank you. And definitely come back in a couple of years yes. and talk to us again. Thank you. <laughs> That's all from us this week. Let us know what you thought by joining the conversation on social media and using the hashtag ClearPod. That's C-L-I-A-P-O-D. Thanks for listening. My name's Toby Cruz, and I'll see you next week. Happy cruising. <laughs>